Today I want to talk to you a little bit about attitude. I'm going to probably do this for about 20 minutes. I have 17 minutes and 15 seconds. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> anyway, um, I'll just start with a story. I, I was thinking about how to introduce the subject of attitude. Attitude can change everything, right? We know that. You've heard some of the cliches, you know, you've heard, of, I, I'll try to stay away from some of those things, but if you're going to actually make a difference, you have to have the right mindset. You have to have the right attitude. If, if there's something that can change the culture and climate of an environment, it's what? Attitude. Turn to your neighbor and say, attitude. attitude. Say, how's your attitude? Turn to your second choice and say, how's your tude? How's your tude? <laughs> so, it's, it's a big deal. And sometimes we don't want to touch people's tude. You know what I mean? There was a family, they went to a, a football game, and, and there was a husband and wife and his two twin girls, and the two twin girls were kind of not into football, so they're watching all the people in the stands, and down a couple, three rows was this lady, she had this big hairdo, you know, like 80s hairdo, you know when you girls used to tease that thing out, like big, like Farrah Fawcett, you know what I mean, the big feathers, Farrah Fawcett, anybody know Farrah Fawcett? All the guys raised their hand, yeah! Anyway. That's old. Um, so she's got this big hairdo, but behind the girl with the big hairdo was this other family, and she's eating, they're eating nachos and cheese, and so they're like laughing because they're, they're seeing the girl spit up, you know, like cheese is going everywhere, and it's getting this lady's hair. So they're snickering, <laughs> you know, and dad's like, be quiet, I'm trying to watch the game, you know, and, and, and then all of a sudden they lose it. The two girls lose it. They go, dad, dad, look, look, and they're pointing, and in this lady's bonnet is not a bee, but a cricket. There's a full-blown cricket in her hair, and they're just dying laughing, and everybody's starting to notice, everybody's starting to, dad's like, you need to go tell them, you need to go tell them that. They're like, no, no, I can't. I'm too embarrassed. I'm too embarrassed. Now, why do I tell you that story? Because crickets and attitudes are similar. <laughs> Sometimes we got like a cricket on our hair, and nobody will tell us. There's a, the crickets in, are like a bad attitude. You know, we're carrying this thing around and nobody wants to touch it because we're too embarrassed to talk about it. And, and I just want to pose this question as we start out. Do you have a cricket in your hair? You know, is there an attitude problem with you? Is it affecting the environments? When I was speaking of just staying with the whole sports theme, the whole sports idea, when I was uh, in college, I was much more into sports than I am now. I don't have the time. I don't have the bandwidth. I don't have the margin like I, want, like, like, like I did then. You know, I just would watch sports all day. Saturdays, like all day. You know what I mean? Just sports all day long. And one of the guys that I used to love to listen to was a TV announcer and radio announcer. And I, by the way, I went to school in the Midwest and it was this guy named Keith Jackson. Keith Jackson. Keith Jackson was, a, he's, he's still famous. Anybody ever heard of Keith Jackson? He's a famous radio announcer. He was famous. He used to have phrases and he would say things. Let's see if I can do it. He used to say, whoa, Nelly, whoa, Nelly. Anybody ever hear him say, whoa, Nelly? Or here's another one. Fumble, who's got it? Fumble, who's got it? And Keith Jackson would get on, you know, TV, and he'd get on behind the mic, and he says, when you talk about the Florida State Seminoles, you have to talk about Coach Bobby Bowden. What a great man. No matter what his circumstances, he always seemed to overcome Bobby Bowden. Keith Jackson was amazing. And so when I was thinking about Keith Jackson, I love listening to this guy. And I'm not doing it justice, but it's pretty close. And it's pretty good, actually. I'll <laughs> sign autographs after service. Um, but I was thinking about a person who had incredible attitude in the Bible. It wasn't Jesus, because we always had this tendency sometimes to dismiss Jesus, because Jesus is the Son of God. Of course, he had a great attitude. You know, Jesus, Jesus, he's God. But what about somebody like the Apostle Paul, who's a person just like you and me? 
He had the most incredible attitude. And in the book of Philippians, he, he, he pens this thank you letter to a group of people who sent him an offering. And he pens a thank you letter when he's in jail, get this, shackled to a Roman soldier. I can't even be shackled to my wife without complaining for very long, you know? <laughs> I mean, I would. But I'm just saying, like, until you have to go to the bathroom, and, you know, and all that kind of stuff, and take out the trash, and all that kind of stuff. So it gets annoying. Um, so... I haven't done it before. Sorry, I haven't done it before. But anyway, so he's, he's got this incredible attitude, and he's in jail, and he's got horrible circumstances and situations, if you can imagine what it was like to be in jail at this time, and he pens this thank you letter, thank you, from Philippians, you know, from, from the Philippian jail. And while he's doing it, I was thinking, you know, what would it be like, you know, to, you know, introduce the Apostle Paul, you know, and, and, and kind of have a, a radio announcer talk about what the Apostle Paul was like. And so I thought I'd do a little Keith Jackson on that, you know. When you have an attitude like the Apostle Paul, he was one who was filled with great joy. A man who seemed circumstances opposed him at every front, yet he always seemed to overcome the Apostle Paul. He had great joy. <laughs> I can't help but do it every time I think about him. So Paul was this guy with great joy. A bad attitude, though, can sometimes keep us from some of the great things that God wants us to do. Yet in this letter in the book of Philippians, he uses the word joy 14 times under duress, under terrible circumstances. And I think we could learn a lot from him. But one of the ways sometimes we can learn a lot it's not always to focus on the positive, but let's focus on the negative first to see if we can appreciate the positive later. So what would be four things that would develop a bad attitude, a, a bad attitude in you and I? I want to give you four bad attitude principles. Here they are. How to sport the wrong attitude. What's the wrong attitude look like, by the way? You look at somebody, you know what I'm talking about. The people have a bad attitude. It's like, remember the, the uh, cartoon, um, the Charlie Brown Charlie Brown cartoon. Remember the smelly one? Pigpen, right? Pigpen. Pigpen didn't even have to be right up next to you, but you knew he was there, right? That's what an attitude, bad attitude can be like. Like it permeates the environment. It affects the room. You can tell they're coming. You, you know people have a bad attitude. You know people who regularly have a bad attitude, and when you see them coming, like yesterday I was in the grocery store, and I was, and I was going through the aisle, and I saw somebody I knew that had a bad attitude. Do you think I ran over to talk to them and share the love of God with them? No. Stage left, you know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about, right? You see them coming in something your mind says, head for the hills, you know what I mean? <laughs> run, Forrest, run. So how to support the wrong tood? Here's what you can do. Preoccupy, preoccupy yourself with the when and then. Everybody say when and then. Make sure, in other words, to make your attitude contingent upon the circumstances. When my ducks line up in a row, then I'll be happy. When I find my mate, when I make enough money, adopt when and then thinking. When he finally shows up, then I'll be happy. When and then thinking can get in the way in a big way. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a step towards a bad attitude. Here's another thing you can do to support the wrong tude is wallow in worry. Worry, worry. Just decide today to worry. Worry is mentally ODing on the worst case scenario. 
Actually, statistically, 95% of what you worry about will never happen. Just keep doing that. It'll work towards a bad attitude. 95% of what we worry about will never happen, yet we do that a lot. Don't meditate on the Bible. Don't hang around positive people. Nope, you need to let worry just tyrannize your life. This is a great step towards a horrible attitude. Keep on doing that. Here's another thing. Make life all about me, 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 me. I think people's favorite song sometimes is me, 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 me. You need to carry around a violin. You need to worship to the, the song, soundtrack, the me worship song. You know, adopt a meistic attitude. The great thing about this attitude is that everyone who is not a Christ follower has this propensity towards selfish behavior. But even as Christians, we do too. The Bible says in the book of James, what causes quarrels and fights among you? Do they not come from the selfish desires that wrestle in your own heart? So when you have selfish living, there will be conflict. This is another scripture that I'm making up right now. Where two or more are gathered, there will be conflict. In other words, when you kind of have this meistic attitude or life is all about me, you're going to have some, you're going to have some problems with people. And, you're just going to, and you know what? If you want to have that me attitude, that bad attitude, make sure once in a while you throw a good tantrum. You know what I mean? Just it's not fair. Just life sucks and then you die. And just go ahead and just, just you know, throw rocks. You know, just be upset. Put the violin and, and just worship, okay, to it. Here's another one. <laughs> I'm going to have fun with this one way or the other. Number four, number four, slither in the shadows. This is a great way to have a bad attitude. Slither in the shadows. Don't ever get involved. Don't connect. Stay isolated and insulated. Hide in the igloo. Hide in the basement. Pray in the closet. Don't ever come out. When it comes to church, why don't you be part of the poinsettia and lily team? In other words, just show up on Christmas and Easter and then leave. <laughs> That's funny. I don't care what you say. All right? That's how you have a bad, bad attitude. Now, if we go back to the Apostle Paul, he had every reason to have a bad attitude, but he was one filled with joy. Remember, he was chained to a Roman soldier in prison. He could have looked at his circumstances and easily said, you know, it's over for me. I'm not going to make it. He could have been like in Gulliver's Travels. Anybody ever watch Gulliver's Travels? One of my favorite characters is the guy at the very end. We're doomed. We're not going to make it. You know, Paul could have done that. I'm doomed. I'll probably be beheaded tomorrow. Sure, this letter won't get a stamp anyway. He would have had every right to say those kind of, do you have people in your life that are like, I have relatives that Stacy and I have had in our life who have that kind of an attitude. You know what I mean? One of my relatives, I won't mention her name, Granny, she, <laughs> God bless her, she went home to be with the Lord, but she, she healthy as a horse. I, I shouldn't say that about a woman. Let me rephrase that. Healthy as a, yeah, zebra. I don't know. She was very healthy, right? But every time we go up to talk to her, I say, Granny, how you doing? I don't know. Might not make it through another day. <laughs> you kids probably should say goodbyes. Come give Granny some love. You know what I mean? I'm pretty sure my eyes are going to be failing me. Are they failing you now? No, I can see 2020. But by tomorrow, you just never know. I might not be able to see another day. So I got to get a good look at you. Let me get a good look at you. Come up close because I might not be able to see you this close again. Granny, 
Some of you have people like that, and you can feel the atmosphere change. You know what I mean? It's like, Granny, you know, can we hang out more together? This has been good. This has been good. You know? No, it's like a dump truck. Beep, 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 beep. <sighs> Bad attitude. Dig yourself out of that. So Paul could have been like that. He could have pushed his friends away, turned his back on the church. He could have focused on himself. Me, 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 me. But he didn't. He had joy. Why? How? Look at Philippians chapter 1. Finally, some Bible from this preacher. Philippians 1 verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with what? I always pray with what? Say it strong. I always pray with joy. joy right? We can say that. Keep that joy. Joy is, look at this is bonus, but joy is a choice that's followed by a process. Joy is a choice that's followed by a process. You know, sometimes we look at our circumstances and we try to control our circumstances and we try to manufacture it. My dad used to say this. He goes, if you want to be happy for the rest of your life, be sure not to make a pretty woman your wife. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It was a song. He's just repeating a song from way back, way back in the day. But it's basically trying to say, you know, circumstances, try to control and manipulate them and maneuver them. It's not about circumstances. See, that's what the world teaches. Happiness is about happenings. It's based on happenings. But joy is based on what? Inner delight. It is derived from your relationship with God. It is an inside out, not an outside in situation. Joy, the message says it this way, joy is life in excess. It's the overflow of what cannot be contained within any one person. It's like effervescent. It bubbles over. One of the best attitudes of a person I know, where's Sherry? Sherry Rigby. Sherry Rigby, there she is. Sherry Rigby has one of the best attitudes. She can be going through, and this part in the French here, but she can go going through hell in a handbag. She can be going through a tough time, but she still has a very positive attitude. I, I know a lot of, Brother Billy Hornsby was a mentor in my life, had the best attitude. Circumstances were against him all the time. One of the best, he never had a bad day. That's what his friend said about him at his memorial. Imagine somebody saying this at your memorial. A, Billy Hornsby never had a bad day his whole life. Oh, I can't say that about me. Nobody's going to say that at my, on my eulogy. Hopefully from this point forward, though, you know, because it's all based on this joy, this inner delight, and a decision or a choice is followed by a process. It flows from a choice we make to accept God's love, his grace for us, his, his unmerited favor. Grace is giving us exactly what we need, but precisely what we do not deserve. His love is constant, and our love is inconsistent. Romans chapter, excuse me, Philippians uh, 1 verse 5 says this. <clears throat> because of your partnership in the gospel, Paul speaking to them, from the first day until now, being confident of all this, that he who has begun or began a good work in you, everybody say, Jesus, Jesus. began a good work in me will carry it out unto completion. Everybody say completion. Until the day of Jesus Christ. The truth is, the moment that you ask Christ into your heart, a good work began. He initiated it. And as you surrender to the will of God, to his word, and and you do what he says to do, his works, we're not saved by works, we're saved for them, he'll begin to change you more and more in his likeness. He'll complete you. I'm not talking about you complete me, like from the movies, where 50-50 makes 100, you complete me. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about complete. Actually, the Greek word complete there is the word teltesta. It's the same word that's used when Jesus was on the cross, vulnerable and naked before the world. At the end of his, the road for him and the mission from God, he said, it is finished. That's the same word, 
mission accomplished, it's done, you're complete, you did what God called you to do. That process was initiated and started by God, and as you surrender to him, you'll be made complete. But joy is a part, decisions to, to decisions followed by this process is part of the big deal for us. So look at this, I think it's in your notes, James 1, it says this, consider it pure joy, everybody say pure joy. I like to call that PJ joy, peanut butter and jelly joy. It's the HNL level of joy. It's a whole different level of joy. Why? Because what's following that is going to be problems. Problems. How many know there's a lot of problems in this life? One of them sitting next to you. No, I'm just kidding. But they're problems. So he says this, consider it pure joy, PJ joy, my brothers, whenever, not if, you face trials of many kinds because life is filled with storms. Because you know, everybody say, I know. You know, as a Christian, that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. This is the process. It, testing develops character in you. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and, there's that word again, complete, not lacking anything. Now, Philippians tells us that, that there's a kind of joy that we can have, and Christ modeled it for us, but in verse 5 of Philippians, it says, have the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus. The New Living Translation says the same attitude. In your Bible, NIV, it might say the same mind or mindset. You have the same attitude. That means you can have it. Everybody say it's a choice. Jesus is trying to teach us it's a choice that we can make. Do do you know anyone in your life who actually was on fire for God, stoked for Jesus, and then ultimately got stagnant? Has anybody ever met somebody like that? Has anybody ever been that person? Come on, get involved. Yes, have you been that person? Raise your hand if you've been there. Okay, yeah. So what happens is you were kind of up and you were doing good and you're on the mountaintop and then you do because sometimes we forget that the Christian experience is not just a decision but it's a process. And part of that process are proactive steps that we must take. So I showed you some of the, the negative actives actions that we can take to a bad attitude. Let me give you some of the B attitudes. Remember the B attitudes from Sermon on the Mount? Well, these are different. These are B, like state of being attitudes because, because here's the big idea. You know, having the right attitude is more a state of being than doing. See, what we want to focus on have the right attitude. I need to do this and I need to do that. No, these things flow from the inside out. It's more a state of being than is a state of doing. Amen. Let me give you some of these proactive attitudes, and then we're going to get out of here, okay? Number one, being vulnerable. Being vulnerable. Being vulnerable. Sometimes we're just so preoccupied. Uh, excuse me, this being vulnerable. Being available. My apologies. Being available. Sometimes we're so busy. We're so crazy. Going all the time. You know what? We wear, I don't know about you, but I think we wear busy like a badge. How you doing? Busy. Busy. See my busy badge? How you doing? Busy. What's going on? How's life? How's things going? Oh, man, so busy. So busy. You know what we're saying? We're saying, this is what we're saying. Listen, look at look. We're saying, see this busy badge? It's saying, I'm saying this. I'm important. You need to know. I'm so busy. I'm important. I got a day timer, you know. Back in the day, I got a Palm Pilot. Now I got a phone. Ding. Oh, see, I got to go. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm important. Do you think Jesus was important? But he went out of his way to connect with people. Look at this, Matthew 20, 30, and 32. Two blind men shouted, Lord, have mercy on us. Jesus did what? He stopped. He stopped. And he called them, what do you want me to do for you? 
If Jesus can stop in the middle of his busy schedule, then we should be able to as well. I don't want to compare the running of my life to the running of the universe ever. So busyness can get in the way a lot of times for us. Readiness is another issue. If you wait for the perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Readiness. Here's number two, beatitude. Being grateful. Being grateful. I think it's so important that we be grateful people. This attitude of gratitude is a big deal. Here's some barriers for that. Materialism and being discontent. So one of the reasons sometimes we're not grateful is because we're preoccupied with things. Things have us instead of things flowing through us, given, given to us from God to be dispersed by us for others. Materialism. Sometimes we're discontent. We, like, we have someone else. We have someone disease. Some, we have destination disease. We're like, you know, I want to be like Mike. You know what I mean? Instead of the way God created you to be. Right? And sometimes it gets in the way of what God wants to do in us. So being grateful. Here's the third thing. Being faithful. Let me just tell you something, church. Your faithfulness makes a difference. 1 Corinthians says, Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I say that to many of you out there. Here's some barriers for that. Lethargy. You just you got to fight the disease of ease. Poor character. Sometimes we overcommit ourselves and we underdeliver. We say yes to too many things and we end up having to say no to the most important things because we've overextended ourselves. We need to be faithful people. Number four, beatitude. Be authentic. This is one of my favorite ones. That's why I said it um, in the last service the same way. Being authentic. So important to be real with people. Make yourself congruent. Don't try to be something someplace else and somewhere else and you're not the same person in another environment. I think it's so important. I think one of the things that should be a, like a DNA of connect is hopefully, I pray you feel this way, that the person you see here is the same person you see when you know, you're out at the front door or you're, you're hanging out in the back office or you're you know, or we're out to eat in the, you know, you know, in the grocery store. I'm not running away from you. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're the same people. You know? It's so important to be real. Amen? Amen. Real people make a difference, don't they? Because people can tell when you're not real. Just like kids can tell when you're, there's something wrong with you. Ever been around little, little kids and they, like, they don't want to come up around somebody? You know, like, I don't know about that, I don't know about that guy. They start, you start getting closer. It's like their radar goes off. You know what I mean? It's like, wah! You know, they start screaming. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> you know, you don't like kids, you know? Uh, dogs can do that too, so just pay attention to your dogs. All right, that wasn't, that wasn't scripture, but it's important. Um, <laughs> um, number five, being vulnerable. Here's another one. I'm not going to give you all the fill in the blanks just for time. Be vulnerable. Write this down. This is, this is a good phrase for you. I think I tweeted it out this morning just for a little nugget, but closes, being vulnerable closes the door to self and opens the door to change and transformation. See, it's, it's, it's counterintuitive. Vulnerability leads to stability. There's so much in our culture that's saying because of, you know, because of, of, uh, of things that past hurts, also pride that gets in the way, that if I'm vulnerable, it's, gonna, it's, gonna, it's not going to work out in my best interest. But everything in my experience has, has taught me that vulnerability actually helps us change and grow. When we're not vulnerable, we're self-protective, we're selfish, we're self-centered. 
We're not living the life that God intended us for to do. So sometimes we have to kind of push through that vulnerability. That's why it's so important to get into a small group. That's why it's so important to, to be in relationships with the right people. And sometimes you have to be intentional about that because you'll accidentally fall into the wrong relationships. You have to intentionally pursue the right relationships. Sometimes you have to, even in those right relationships, pursue having the right kind of relationship with those people. My, my kids, my daughter, I'll pick on my two youngest ones, Morgan and Madison, when they were bickering and fighting when they were little, my wife and I would force them through a little exercise to, to reconcile and get along. So they're fighting a bit. We say, Morgan, Madison, get out here. I want to talk to you. Dad wants to talk to you. Come here. I said, stand right there. And you stand right there. And they're, they kind of like drag their feet, you know. Okay. Now they, they turn and face me. I said, turn and face each other. And they turn and face each other. And they wouldn't even look each other in the eye. They're kind of like, no eye contact. I said, listen, I want you to hold hands. They kind of like minimal, like just touching the fingertips, you know, just barely hold hands. Then they roll their eyes. Every parent loves that. (laughs) Hold hands. Now look at each other. Now I want you to say something nice to each other. Morgan, you start. Silence of the lambs. (laughs) What, you can't think of one thing that you can say about your sister, your flesh and blood? You guys have grown up together. She shared everything your whole life. We start, say something nice, you know. You're pretty. So then we give them some stuff that they can say, and I'll say it, and then they'd say it kind of half-hearted, and and then I said, I said, now I want you to get closer, and I want you to hug each other, I want you to hold each other, and they'd be like this, like they both had the bubonic plague, leprosy, you know, I'm like, these kids rub all over each other normally, but they're, because of their attitude, because of their attitude, they won't get closer, get up close, come together, and tell each other you love each other, I love you, say it like you mean it, I love you, (laughs) no, not like that. You will not leave until you say it right. Then they go, I love you. I love you, Madison. I love you too, Morgan. Now they're laughing. Then I come up around them and I hold them. And their whole attitude changes because they were forced to be vulnerable. Is anybody tracking with what I'm saying out there? I used to do that with my little kids when I would tickle them. I put both the hands up over their head and I tickle them till they almost cried to death. But they were happy because they were vulnerable. Now that's a physical demonstration of really of a relational principle that we all can choose to do. And sometimes we have to put ourselves in a position to be vulnerable like that. Are you out there? Here's the next thing, be accepting. Be accepting. A lot of times in the church, this is so common, we ask for a hand before we've touched the heart. We say, hey, 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 come here. You should this, and you should that. And we're telling everybody what they ought to do. Command, 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 command. And we haven't connected, connected, connected. Do you even know, like, what makes somebody tick? Do you, did you even notice they got a haircut today? You know? Did you even notice I got my haircut today? <laughs> Fresh fade. Anyway. <laughs> sort of. Anyway. But where was I? You need, to, you need to connect with people's hearts and be accepting of people. And, and Jesus hates condescending attitudes. And we've got to be careful about that. Um, and what happens is a lot of times we're comparing ourselves to other people. So some of the barriers are comparison. It's kind of our selfish nature is always sizing people up and all that kind of stuff. And then our sin. That's another thing that's a barrier. We see their flaw to make us feel better about our flaws. Here's the last one. Being useful. Everybody say, be useful. Galatians 6 says this. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. You want to do all that God says? Carry each other's burdens. My mother-in-law, when we go down the south, she used to always say to me, she'd say, um, 
I go in the kitchen, I go to help out, and all the other guys from the South, I don't know what it is about the South, but South, Southern guys, they don't really help out a lot in the house. They're not very domesticated, you know? So all the guys, are, they got newspapers up, remote controls in hands, and they're waiting for the women to bring food. I show up from the North, and I go into the kitchen to help my mother-in-law, and I can hear him snickering there. There he goes, getting brownie points from mom. You know, big wuss, you know what I'm saying? But I didn't know anything else, so I go, Mom, how can I help? And she'd always say, I don't know, just make yourself useful. Just make yourself useful. I think the attitude that we should have, a B attitude, that will foster the, the, prop, the process of growth, where we maintain joy in our life, is, is, to, is to make ourselves available and be useful to people. Be useful. What are you doing that's useful? Are we sitting on our hands? Are we kind of just sitting on our talents? Are we sitting on our blessed assurance? We got to get, we got to kind of get off the bench. We got to do that. And barriers for that are selfishness and, and poor training. Sometimes we need to be taught to do that. And that's what the church is really all about. And Jesus in John chapter 13, he said, if you do these things, you serve, you be useful, you apply these beatitudes, you'll be blessed. You'll be happy if you what? Do them. If you do them. If you want to be happy, you do the beatitudes. You apply these things, this truth to your life. Amen? Amen? Let me tell you a story. Why don't you stand to your feet as I do? Some of you might have come into church today and you had a bad attitude. You had a cricket in your hair. And you're like, you know what? I've heard these messages on attitude before. You know, I, I, you know I've read the books. He's just trying to get me to be happy. That's a bad attitude. Don't leave with a bad attitude today. You know, well, you don't know all the stuff that's going on in my life. I've had one thing piled on, another thing piled on. If you know the stuff I've gone through, was it worse than Paul? Was it worse? I could read a bunch of stuff about what Paul went through. Let me tell you something. It was pretty bad. Was it worse than Jesus? I don't think so. See, joy is from the inside. It's not circumstantial. You have to change your perspective. An old preacher story, there's a farmer, and he had a mule, and the mule fell into an old well that was really of no use anymore. And while he's down in there, the, the, the farmer has a decision to make, you know? Does he try to save the guy? Does he save the mule that's worked so hard for him? Or does he let him go? Because it's going to be costly. It's going to be difficult to get him out. So he's, he talks to some of the townspeople and says, hey, can you help me? And they basically make a decision and kind of have a twofer. They're going to they're close the well up because it needs to be closed up, and they're going to bury the mule at the same time. So they all get around the well, and they start shoveling dirt into the well to take the mule out and... The mule's starting to him and haw, and you can hear him making noise. Hee-haw, hee-haw, down in there. And as that dirt's coming on his back, something happens to this mule that I hope happens to all of us. The mule's got all this dirt coming on his back, and for some reason, he makes this decision, which many of us have the same moments every single day in our life, you know? It's a decision. It's not, it's a perspective adjustment. We think it's something else, some circumstance. Nope, it was just a decision. For some reason, people go there and some people don't. The dirt's coming on his back. It's a horrible situation. Life is over as you know it if he just stood there, but he just starts shaking the dirt off, shaking the dirt off. And as he shook the dirt off, he stepped on top of the dirt. They kept piling that stuff on top of him. He shook the dirt off, shook the dirt off, and he stepped on top of the dirt. You know what started to happen? Eventually, over time, that mule started coming up out of the well. They don't realize what's happening. They're filling up, they're filling up. They can hear the noise, they can hear the noise. And all of a sudden, he's shaking the dirt off, stepping on that dirt. He pops right out of the well. Hey! Now, you can't talk, but that's just my end of the story. <laughs> Some of you got dirt being piled on you all the time. We all do. We all do. Well, we have a decision to make. You know, are we going to let it just bury us? Or are we going to shake it off and step up? 
that's our choice. Would you just close your eyes and let me pray for you? Father, for every person in this room who's struggled with attitude, maybe struggled to, to have an attitude that permeates beyond you know, themselves, to, to increase their influence. I pray for people in this room who, uh, that you expand their influence, you increase their influence, Lord. It's through attitude that we can change so many situations. I pray that we have the same attitude that Christ had, who didn't think of himself more highly than he ought, who, who, who came, you know, as God to earth and became human, one just like us, and he laid down his life and he served us and ultimately gave his life, Philippians tells us. Lord, would we have an attitude that is selfless, that is serving? Would we apply these beatitudes to our life as we go out today? Lord, take what is truth, apply it to our hearts, may it stick like Velcro to our lives. And Father, for every person that might be here today for the first time, for some reason you're here and it's not an accident, every head bowed, every head closed, please honor your person that's around you. Let them have a moment. I'm not gonna call you out. I'm not gonna embarrass you or anything, but I'm talking to you. There might be a person here and God is just drawing you to himself. He's been drawing you. You just, you've been disconnected from God. That's what, that's what really it's all about is God's purpose. Jesus' purpose was to connect the disconnected. You've been disconnected. You've had attitudes towards him. You've had a mindset towards him. For some reason, today is a day where you're surrendering that attitude so that you can have relationship with Christ. You can have the joy of the Lord, which comes from within. So you can have everything in the world all perfect on the outside, and I think he would say to you, you won't have joy until you have Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you haven't met Jesus. He wants to meet you, and all you have to do is say, I want to meet you right now. So right there in your seat where you stand, if he's inviting you, you feel us knocking on your door, the handle's on the inside, and you just have to open it for him. Would you open that by raising your hand and just saying, I'm open, I want to receive Jesus Christ today before I leave. If that's you, raise it good and high with boldness and total confidence. God bless you all the way back. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you so much. All the way over there, thank you. Is there anybody else? Don't be ashamed. He won't be ashamed of you. Trust me, we're not embarrassed. We love Jesus. You're in good company. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Church, would you pray this prayer with me? And those that raise your hand, would you pray this prayer sincerely from your heart? Say this. Say this from your heart. Say, Jesus save me. Come into my life right now. I willingly invite you in. I open the door to my heart, to my thinking, to my behavior and lifestyle. I surrender to you as Savior, and I surrender to you as Lord. Lead me. Guide me. Show me not only salvation, but how to walk as you walked. Give me the attitude of Christ and the joy of the Lord. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for every person who made that decision. I pray that the joy of the Lord be their strength. For every person that came here today feeling one way, they go out of here feeling a different way. But we know that our feelings are not based on circumstance, but our feeling is based on faith in Jesus Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. Thank you that your love is constant when our love is inconsistent. Thank you, God, that you're with us. Thank you, God, for all the wonderful things you've done. We love you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. And